Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna start over because I started explaining a different ability than the one that was printed on the card. You do you boo. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 278. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Samantha Har. That's me. A. And, a indeed. Yep. And today, this is our our episode where we're gonna where we are going to go over the release notes for Commander Legends 2 Electric Boogaloo. See the notes say the quest for Curly's gold. What does that mean? Yeah. Oh, uh, that. <laughs> Commander Legends 2, The Quest for Curly's Gold, that was the sequel to City Slickers. I'm so glad you know things that the rest of time has forgotten. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Commander. Commander. So, for this podcast, we're going to assume that you know how to play Commander. You know, you got your Commander in the command zone, you know, 21 combat damage, and... You know, color the identity. The other and, card zone. What's that? <laughs> got your other cards and the other card zone. Yeah, you got you got <laughs> your over yonder zone and your right here zone and your fighty place zone. This way, that way, yawn. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna go over some of the cards that either they they might have like a fiddly bit with the rules or something that we just thought was interesting. We're not gonna go over every card clearly because. We don't want this podcast to be a gajillion hours, all right? It's going to be regardless because we never stop talking. It's going to be like half a gajillion, like (laughs) 0.5 gajillion. So we're going to talk briefly before we start getting into the cards themselves. Just a few things. Uh, This set is Baldur's Gate, or what is it? It's the Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate, okay? Baldur's Gate is... A city in the Forgotten Realms campaign setting for Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, I knew I would get to hear some D and D story stuff. There's when we did this episode because you know these things. There's there's some like looking through the cards. I was just like, ooh, but realistically, since I'm old, uh, <laughs> a lot of the D and D lore that I'm more familiar with is Greyhawk, which was before the Forgotten Realms. So the Forgotten Realms is kind of after my time, despite being the predominant campaign setting in D&D for 30-ish years. Ancient. Yeah, ancient times. Anyway, this is this is coming in packs just like Commander Legends 1. This is coming in packs, and you can draft it. Right. Brian, ex- explain Commander Draft to the good people, because this is this is bonkers to me. Yeah, it's, it is kind of a little bit of a nonsense. So what you're going to do is the packs are larger packs. I believe they have like 20, 20, 22 cards, more than 15. All right. Uh, but you are going to draft very similar to regular draft. You're going to get three packs. You're going to pick, pick cards. Um, and then you're going to pass to the left, and you're going to receive a, a pack of cards from the person on your right. And you're going to continue to pass until you've picked everything out of the pack. You're going to open the next pack. You're going to pass to the right. Now, a few changes. One is you're going to make two picks per pack. Two. Two. Dos. And because the packs are bigger, you're picking two per per pack. You are going to be making a deck that is at least 60 cards. 
Okay. Uh, I believe the release notes actually explicitly say make a 60 card deck. It's 60 plus. Okay. So not 40, not 100. Also, even though Commander is a singleton format, because it's draft, it's not a singleton format if you draft four copies of a card. However, you still need a Commander. Okay. And it is possible in draft for you to not actually get, you know, if you draft a blue-red and you do not get a blue-red commander, that kind of sucks. That means you're automatically out of the tournament. They kick you out physically from the building. Absolutely. And if it's a draft with only eight players and you you get kicked out, now there's only seven players, that's not enough to have a tournament, and everybody goes home sad. Everyone gets kicked out and they'll find you in the parking lot. Or you have these, there are these cards called Faceless Ones that are seated in the packs. And these are, for five mana, it is a 3-3 legendary enchantment creature background. And it's the text says, if Faceless One is your commander, choose a color before the game. Faceless One is the chosen color. And then has an ability called Choose a Background, which... Sam is going to explain in just a minute, but what this effectively means is you can get up to two faceless ones, all right, and say faceless one, faceless one one is blue, faceless one two is red, and now you have uh, essentially a deck that can be blue and red. One thing of note, though, if you decide to go that route, uh, faceless one is a legendary Creature. Duh. Um, Duh. Yeah. The legend rule still doesn't apply. Like, there's not a a thing. So if you have the faceless one out as a creature, and then you bring your faceless one out, faceless one two out as the back as the background, uh, legend rule happens, and you got to get rid of one. Womp womp. Correct. Yep. But something other, really cr- oh, something true. really cool about faceless one is that you don't actually have to draft them though. Did you know that? Uh, I heard that. I did not see that in the release notes, but I have heard... It's in there. That it's, it's just kind of a... Right. Did it, is it in there? It's in there. If you if you get to the end of the draft and you don't have one, you can go find up to two. You can borrow them. You can find them on the ground. You can ask the tournament organizer okay. nicely if they have some. So they're, you treat them like baseless, basic lands in that particular case. You can just say, like, I need... Two faceless ones. And I I believe you can only do that if you're planning to use them as your commanders. If you just want them to fill out your deck, then no, no, no. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No. If you're like, well, I actually for reals need a commander. If you're using it to fill out your deck, it's a 5-5 five, five for three mana. There's a lot better choices. <laughs> right. Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that for multiple reasons. Okay. So we were talking about choose choose background. What's What is that? What does that mean? So this is new. It's a new enchantment type. It is a... It is a key and keyword ability. It says choose a background. It'll say that on the cards. So backgrounds in D&D are little packages you choose when creating your character that include skills, starting equipment, abilities, that kind of thing. Um, backgrounds are similar thematically, but in practice, backgrounds are essentially partner enchantments that add to your deck's color identity. So yeah, this I, I guess this is kind of similar to, to partner, but... It's not another, not usually, usually not another creature, right? In almost all cases, it's, it is the, the background is a legendary enchantment. 
yeah. only. So you'll have you'll have a creature card or, or something that says choose a background, and the the background card will be your second commander. Kind of neat. Yeah. So you can't just choose a background with any commander. The the commander does have to say choose a background right there on the card. You have to read that. Like what's an example? Oh, an example is Renari, Merchant of Marvels. See, I don't like this thing. I Why it's so blue. Like... Anyway, he's the Merchant of Marvels. Would you prefer him be like the Merchant of DC? The Merchant oh, of Dark Horse? Aren't you clever? I wish he were a Merchant of like Red Marvels. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't oh, it's because so oh, it's creature. a blue card. Gotcha. Dragon Artificer 2-4. You may cast dragon spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. Choose a background. So yeah. Okay. Check out Renari. Um, another example of a background that isn't the faceless one um, is Acolyte of Bahamut for one at a green. Legi- legendary enchantment dash background. Commander creatures you own have, quote unquote, the first dragon spell you cast each turn costs two less to cast. Okay. I know some judges that are going to be thrilled about that. So so these two together let you have a blue-green dragon deck. Yeah. Yeah. One's blue, one's green, so you get a blue-green commander dragon whatever you're up to deck. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you whatever you got going on here. Anyway. So this is kind of a way to make sure the ability is less open-ended and abusable than partner that you yeah. have to, you know have to find the matching card or whatever um so yeah basically like partner only your partner's an enchantment your commander and your backgrounds set your deck's color identity um if you have a background your deck will have 98 cards because obviously now you have two commanders yeah it's not like commander slotsy it's not like com- companion um your commander your commander and your background can be the same color yeah they can be I mean, where's the fun in that? But if you must, if you must, that's fine. That's fine. I won't judge too hard. Um, So the commander tax for your two commanders are tracked separately. There's there's so much information to juggle with with this situation, but that's why we're smart. We're we're here and we're smart and we can totally do this. Um, Backgrounds can still still deal 21 in combat damage to your opponent, but you got to work for it. Yeah. By turning them into a creature, because most of them are not creatures. Mm-hmm. In fact, some cards in the set refer to commander creatures you own. If your background becomes a creature, then it becomes a, a commander creature you own. So, please note this is not commander creatures you control. So, if someone else steals your commander, your background will still give it this ability. Yeah. Womp womp. Right. So, Renat- with our Acolyte of Bahamut and Renari Merchant of Scrolls, it says, commander creatures you own have the first dragon spell you cast uh, each turn costs two less. So if you have that and I steal your Renari, Uh-oh. your Acolyte of Bahamut is giving my Renari, because you own it still, is giving my Renari the first dragon spell you, which is me now, cast each turn co- uh, cost two less to cast. Indeed, indeed. All right. Bye. Yeah, so some more dungeons. Yeah. Uh, so there is a new keyword action called a venture into Undercity. Ooh. Yep. Hope you like dungeons, because we got a new one. So for those of you who used to play back in the old days, uh, there was uh, Undermount. There was uh, uh, the Underdark. D&D really likes 
under to prefix things that are underground. And they're spookier and scarier. So you've got undercity and undermount and a bunch of other under underwear. Uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, the the yawning portal in water deep. I don't know. Forgotten realms again. So <laughs> I don't know why that caught me so off guard. What? <laughs> the underwear. Right. And you're supposed to respond under there, obviously. Oh, my gosh. If I hope in a future onset we get a dungeon that is underwear. Underwear? Only it's W-H-E-R-E, so it's under where. Correct. Where? Where. Okay, so Undercity is a ruined city in the caverns below Baldur's Gate. I think it's in a video game. I don't know if there's an actual module for it. But anyway, it's a dungeon called Undercity uh, that has uh, three, nine rooms that you can go through. Uh, not all of them. Sometimes there's some of them that are branching. So when you venture into Undercity, it's a dungeon. It's a specific dungeon that you can only venture into, that you can only begin if something lets you venture into Undercity. Okay? So just venturing into a dungeon, uh, you cannot you cannot start the dungeon of Undercity. Nope. Okay? Looks like a big flowchart. Okay. So... Now we have the flowchart with the difference between uh, venture into Undercity, venture into a dungeon, and how these things interact, whether or not you have or haven't started. So if you are a computer programmer, you're going to bring out a truth table. Okay, or we'll just run through the if-else blocks here. So if you have not started a dungeon and you venture into a dungeon, you may not venture into the Undercity. You have to go back to uh, Forgotten Realms and do pick one of those three. Okay. If you have not started a dungeon and you venture into the Undercity, you may only venture into the Undercity, okay? <laughs> if you have started a dungeon, any of them. If you somehow started a dungeon, whatever it is, and you have something that tells you to venture into the dungeon, you just keep going in that dungeon, okay? Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on, all right? And if you have started a dungeon, any of them, and you venture into the Undercity, you also keep going into that dungeon, Okay, unless you're already in the last room of that dungeon, then, you know, venturing into the dungeon, you would think that's that's leaving the dungeon. Oh, nope, it's going right back into the dungeon again. And so if you venture into Undercity uh, and you're in the last room, you're going to start the Undercity. Or actually, if you're in any, any dungeon. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, I'm going to talk about the initiative real quick because it's Aww. related or did you want to? All right. Or, Not too late. You said well, you want to. I'll do it. I'll do the adventure. Okay. So uh, we have a card, the initiative. It's like some sort of cabal, the initiative. Uh, it's the, the bad guy in the Invincible cartoon on Amazon Prime. I don't actually the know. The initiative? I, I just made that up. What, what um, are you talking about? Yeah. Okay. So there is a card, the Aarakocra Sneak. For three and a blue, it is a creature bird rogue. It's one four flying. When Aarakocra Sneak enters the battlefield, you take the initiative. That's a very D&D flavored thing. You know, when you get into a fight, you roll initiative. And the highest number gets to gets to go first. That determines your turn order. And you want a, you want a good initiative because then you can get a jump on the bad guys. Prove so, you're a go-getter. <laughs> yeah. So taking the initiative is kind of like uh, being the monarch. 
like no one is the monarch until something makes someone the monarch. No one has the initiative until someone takes it. Okay. No one cares about the initiative until someone takes it. You know, it's like night and day. Nobody cares about night and day until a card like a night bound, day bound, whatever card comes into play. Doesn't exist until it does. Once it's taken, though, it does stuff. And then you can act, your opponents can do stuff to steal it from the players with the initiative. So what it means is when you take the initiative or have the be- have the initiative at the beginning of your upkeep, you may venture into the Undercity. All right. Which the we, underwear. Which we just went over what that means. Also, whenever one or more creatures deal combat damage to the player with the initiative, the, that those creatures controllers takes the initiative. So they take it from you. Red Rover, Red Rover, send the initiative right over. <laughs> if you already have the initiative, uh, you can take it again. You, you, it's, it got take really it. taken. It got took. Fight in. for it. Yep. Fighting yourself for it. Yep. <laughs> well, if you play a card, like if you have the initiative and then you play an Aarakocra sneak, you take the initiative again, which really just means venture into Undercity. Um, and, okay, if a player with the initiative leaves the game, okay, the active player, let's assuming the active player who is still in the game in this scenario, they take the initiative. They get it. So if uh, if Sama has the initiative and I kill her with a burn spell to the face, I get initiative if I'm active player. You would never do that to me. If the active player is the player with initiative and they leave the game, the next player in turn order takes the initiative. In a two-headed giant game. Okay, this is where things get kind of wacky. Okay, I must have read this this part of the release notes five times, and I'm I'm going to need you to explain it to All me right. like I'm five. Okay. I do not understand what this means. So, in two-headed giant, if both players on a team attack the player with the initiative, so so I'm team A, Sama, you're team B, you're two Samas. Okay. Sam, uh, Sama and Sama Prime. Okay. okay. So Sama Prime has the initiative. Now, Brian and Brian Prime are both going to attack Sama Prime. Okay. Speaking of Prime, Lego came out with a Lego Optimus Prime. Nice. I bought it. It's going to be here on Sunday. So I hope I get it in um, before then or else the podcast will be delayed because I'm putting that together. Anyway. (laughs) So Brian and Brian Prime both attack Sama Prime. Sama Prime's got the initiative. And, you know, blam, blam. We both smack Sama Prime. Now, what's going to happen is whenever whenever one or more creature deals combat damage to a player with the initiative, that creature's controller takes the initiative. So Brian's going to take the initiative, and Brian Prime is going to take the initiative. Well, we can't both have the initiative at the same time, right? So the player with the initiative, so Sama Prime, gets to decide how to in what order the two players on my team take it. So one of the players is going to get it. And get to venture into Undercity. And then the other one's going to take it from their teammate. And then they're going to hold on to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you now. I'm with, with you. Any, We're good. We're good. You're, that wasn't as complicated as it seemed when picking, I read it. You're picking up what I'm putting down? I'm, I'm picking it up. You, you took it? I done took it. You take it? Okay. Done took a fight it. Took a fight. What's up? What's next? All right, so next up, we are seeing the return of adventure cards from, you, you probably remember from Throne of Eldraine, the ones that look like little storybooks. They're back. Oh, they're so cute. 
I love these things. I loved I loved Eldraine. Anyway, so an example of, of one of these here is Altar of Ball. Am I saying that right? Ball? <laughs> the Altar of Ball? Ball? Be I, I don't. It's kind of one of these things I've only ever read, but I don't, I don't think I... Bahal. 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 <laughs> I don't know. i say this worse and worse okay. until someone tells me correct. So, I'm going to say Altar of Ball. Real, real quick. Uh, my first year of college, I lived in a dorm. Uh, the dormitory was spelled B-A-L-Z. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing that can go on the podcast to add to this what? conversation. <laughs> nothing I have to say can, to add to this conversation can make it into the podcast, so I'm going to shut my mouth. No? So apparently it was pronounced Baltz. <laughs> but... Being freshman <laughs> college students, that was not how we pronounced it. You were stored in the bolts. <laughs> yeah, that's that is not how we 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 said it. But anyway, the altar of bolts. <sighs> okay, the altar of ball is an artifact, one in a black. So the artifact bit of this says two in a black tap exile a creature you control colon. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. Now, the interesting bit, the, the adventure bit over here, it's called Bone Offering for two and a black, and it's a sorcery. The Altar of Ball has Bone Offering <laughs> as an adventure. <laughs> I can't stand. <laughs> I just, I've had a long day. I'm keeping it together, all right? What? I'm keeping it together <laughs> for a wonderful audience that I love very much. Bone offering. You leave your bone offering on the altar of ball. <laughs> Stop! Oh my god, I, we are grown people. Allegedly. We are grown ups. We are supposed to be the mature ones somehow. I'm just right, reading so the, the bone card. offering. I'm just reading the card. Bone offering. Bone offering time. Reading the card explains the card. Yes. All right. <clears throat> Bone Offering for two and a black sorcery adventure. Create a tapped 4-1 black skeleton creature token with menace. So, yeah. All right. So so the, the I guess the interesting addition to this is then exile this card. You may cast the artifact later from exile. So that's the cool thing about the little storybook situation. You got options. Anyway. Adventurer cards are permanent cards in every zone except the stack. On the stack, they are either their adventure or the permanent spell. So whatever you cast it as, there it is. Mm -hmm. So except on the stack, you use all the characteristics of the card minus the text in the adventure box. When you're dealing with the card in any other in any other place, you just pretend the adventure box doesn't exist. You pretend. You do not see it. So when casting a spell as an adventure, you only pay attention to the text in the adventure box. Then you do see it. So if the spell is cast in as, a, as an adventure, it's exiled on resolution instead of being put into the graveyard. So, yeah, that only happens on resolving. So if it's countered or doesn't resolve for some reason, it'll still go into the graveyard. Like normal. Yep. Just like normal. Doesn't go on its adventure. The bone offering does not go on its adventure. <laughs> so pedestrian. Right. So if so the vanilla. So vanilla. This bone adventure. What is the bone offering? Bone offering. 
<laughs> All right. <clears throat> if the adventure spell is somehow exiled before it resolves, you don't get permission to cast the permanent part from exile. You don't have permission. You gotta be good. If you copy an adventure spell on the stack, the copy is also an adventure. The copy will exile on, on resolution and then it will go poof. That's a technical so, term. That's in the CR right now. Poof. Poof. It's not. Poof. It ought to be. We need to call up Jess and let him know. I know. I already, t- I already told him. I already told him. I was like, I think in these release notes, when you talk about like the triggered ability triggering, you need to just call it trip your trigger. And he was like, laugh emoji. Not really laughing. LOL. Yeah. LOL, but not inbox. really laughing out loud. <laughs> just saying LOL because I don't know how to respond. LOL, mute your chat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you have an ability to cast the card from other zones, you can cast as an adventure or as a permanent, provided that the ability that's letting you cast it doesn't further restrict what you you can cast. Right. So, like, if you are able to cast a creature card from exile, you can't cast the adventure side. Womp womp. Yep. No bone offering for you. (laughs) Okay. No bone adventures this time, right. friends. Okay, rolling a, rolling a dice. Rolling dice are back. Rolling a dice. Yeah. Uh, an example of a card that rolls a dice is the Ancient Brass Dragon. For five black black, it is a 7-6 flying Elder Dragon. Uh, whenever Ancient Brass Dragon deals combat damage to a player, roll a d20. When you do, put any number of target creature cards with total mana value X or less from graveyards... Onto the battlefield under your control where X is the result. Woof. Okay. So we had a I while like back. Him. What's that? I like him. I like when the I like when dragon cards are pictured as being like more docile or chill. Like it's talking to a deer, like that's its deer neighbor or something. And it's like, hey friend. It it is weird because black is normally one of the, the evil colors and brass dragons are good. So that that's interesting. Um Maybe but, they're just swampy. Good yeah. things can be swampy. It's, it's not swampy, though. Might be related to its breath weapon or something. Mm. But anyway, in tournaments, we're talking about D20s. In tournaments, use use real dice. Uh, dig, digital dice are allowed. In casual, spin downs are fine. The, the big thing of importance is the roll is supposed to be fair. But in tournaments, use actual, actual D20s. Instructions to roll the dice... Uh, and then the action based on the results are almost always tied to the same ability. So you don't get to uh, the opponent or even you, you don't get to see the result and then respond. So in the case of Ancient Brass Dragon, that ability is going to trigger. I'm going to roll and uh, roll that D20. Well, this one's actually a little bit different because it's got a reflexive trigger. Okay. Which you have, you roll the d20 and then the reflexive trigger goes on the stack. So that can be responded to, but you can't stop the trigger from being put on the stack. And there's a lot of other abilities where they have like a table where you do some stuff. The rolling of the d20 and the results are typically related. So you don't get to respond in the middle. Although the example card that I'm talking about does a very poor job of illustrating that because it, (laughs) yes. Um, so some effects can modify the result of a die roll. You know, give it give it a little give it a little plus or so, um, and then other effects might reference the result of that die roll, like Ancient Brass Dragon. In these cases, the result you look at the the result is the number after the modifications. Okay, some effects let you roll an additional die, so you can roll a d twenty and roll an additional d twenty. If you do, 
you ignore the lower result. Didn't happen. So just put it out of your mind. Uh, for effects that care about each time you roll, you're not considered rolling two dice. Okay, because you ignore the lower one. It, it didn't happen. You might have memories of it, but that's just an illusion. Now, as a that's neat... gaslighting. It is. It's absolute gaslighting. Now, as a neat reminder, effects that care about each time you roll a die, if you are playing plane chase and rolling the planar die, those effects will see you rolling that dice. Oh, that's true. Right. Now, when it talks about the result, there is no result on a planar die. So, you know, if it talks about, like, whenever you roll a, a you know, a dice, take the result and do something, there's there's no result of a planar die. I don't know why that was so exciting to me, but it is. Yeah. It's because so seldom... Neat. It's a neat fun fact. So seldom is plane chase even slightly relevant. But we can talk about all the myriad of ways there are to roll dice. Or not. Anyway... Myriad. Myriad seems to work kind of like shadow clones in Naruto, but that probably means nothing to anybody but me. All right. So Genasi Enforcers have Myriad. That's a creature elemental shaman card, one in a red. It's a one three with Myriad. Whenever this creature attacks for each opponent other than defending player, you may create a token that's a copy of this creature that's tapped in attacking that player or planeswalker they control. Exile the tokens at end of combat. It's also got one in a red, colon, creatures you control named Genasi Enforcers get plus one plus oh until end of turn. Cool. So apparently we haven't talked about Myriad before. I, I assume you mean we as in JudgeCast. Uh, yes. Also we. Al- although I think you and I personally have also not talked about Myriad. Correct. There's a myriad of different ways you can interpret that sentence. See, okay, all right. The word myriad, I, I feel like I heard that you're supposed to say there are myriad ways as opposed to there are a myriad of ways, but well, I'm also not an expert, so I'm, I'm hesitant to proclaim this as true. Well, we are going to look, I'm going to look that up real time. Well, you go look that up and I'll talk about myriad. <laughs> myriad is a triggered ability that may also create a delayed trigger ability. Myriad means... Whenever this creature attacks for each opponent other than defending player, you may create a token that's a copy of this creature that's tapped and attacking that player or a planeswalker they control. If one or more tokens are created this way, exile the tokens at the end of the combat. Yeah, we, we said that. Cool. Huh. Defending player is the player you are attacking with the creature or the player that controls the planeswalker that creature is attacking. So you can't cheese out with, I'm not the defending player because you're attacking my Jace. No, no. No, no, no. Cute try, though. Myriad only works in multiplayer games. You you do have to have multiple players to have other players, it turns out. If the defending opponent is your only opponent, Myriad doesn't do squat. Not a thing. So tokens, the tokens are copies of the, the card Myriad is on. It doesn't copy counters or any other non-copyable effects, as you may imagine. If you generate more than one token for any given player, like due to doubling season, you can choose separately if each token is attacking the player or the, or a planeswalker they control. That's cute. These extra tokens will be exiled at the end of combat. Because yep, they were created by the same effect. All right, I, yeah. have a, I have a myriad answer. See, myriad is both a noun and an adjective. Oh. Yes, yeah, so you could have a... You could have the myriad lights in the city... Or you could have a myriad of lights. So everybody gets... It's not often you get to say everybody's correct. 
I like answers where everybody gets to be correct. I don't. I like answers where I'm correct. If if you also happen to be correct, then okay. <laughs> if everybody's correct, then you are by default also correct. Just be happy. Be happy. Happy with your results. <laughs> Just saying. Oh my goodness. All so right. competitive. All right, let's get into specific cards. What do we got? What do we okay. got? All right. Uh, the first card that we're going to talk about, as is how we do in JudgeCast, starts with the letter A. Hey. Um, a, a. This card is Agent of the Shadow Thieves. For one and a black, it is a legendary enchantment. Background it says, Commander creatures you own have whenever this creature attacks a player. If no opponent has more life than that player, put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. It gains death touch and indestructible until end of turn. That's all like one. So commander creatures you own have, quote, blah, 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 end quote. So that ability, that whole paragraph I just read, and then later replaced with blah, 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 is uh, is your commander creatures gain that ability. All right. So the ability granted by Agent of Shadows is looking to see if the attacking player's opponents have a higher life total than the player being attacked. It's not talking about the opponents of the player being attacked, okay? So the ability that's on your commanders is whenever this creature attacks a player, if no opponent has more life than that player, and so it's asking about you. You're attacking with your creature, you're attacking an opponent, and then you're going to look at if no other opponents have more life than that player, then you're going to put plus one, plus one counter, okay? Also, that more life uh, check is an intervening if clause, okay, which we talk about every every pre-release episode. So that, that condition has to be true when the trigger goes on the stack, and it has to also be true when it resolves. So there could be, like, some life gain shenanigans in between that cause, uh, cause that mm-hmm. trigger not to resolve even though it went on the stack. Now, what's weird and kind of noodle baking is if someone gains control of your commander and you have this background, your background is still giving your former commander, because you own it, that ability. And in that particular case, even though you're sitting there and you're staring at the cards that's talking about opponents and you and stuff like that, no, it's, it's now the player who controls your commander, okay? And it's going to look at their opponents and the, the person that they're attacking and, and the other opponents. Yeah. What? Right. So you kind of got to like look, look and kind of shift, shift your perspective. Got it? Clear as mud? Yeah, definitely got it. Yep. All right. Next on the list, we have Alondo the Seer for two generic green-blue legendary creature human shaman to 3-5 with an activated ability. So you tap. Cool. Draw a this. There are some texty, yeah. texty cards in this set. Yes, All right, there here are. we go. <clears throat> Draw a card, then exile a card from your hand and put a number of time counters on it equal to its mana value. It gains when the last time counter is removed from this card. If it's exiled, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you cast a creature spell this way, it gains haste until end of turn. End quote. Then remove a time counter from each other card you own in exile. Yeah. Oh, I was about to be like, isn't this just suspend? But it says right here, this ability is not the same as suspend. Yeah. 
Almost suspend, almost, not quite. So this ability is not the same as suspend. Suspend automatically has you remove time counters at the beginning of your upkeep. Whereas a Londo over here has you removing counters as a resolution of its ability. However, it will remove time counters from suspended cards. Yeah. It says remove, oh, cool. remove a time counter from each other yeah. card you own in exile. If one of those cards has suspend, like you suspended a card, that's got time counters on it and it's in exile. Yeah. And if you exile a card with suspend via Alondo's ability, time counters will also be removed via suspend's own ability too. Mm-hmm. The bonus. And if you exile a card with mana value of zero, well, you never put any any time counters on it. So the when the last time counter is removed trigger will never happen. Oh my goodness! Waiting for a that tomorrow that will never come. <laughs> Pining forever. Yes, just sitting out there. So sad. All right. Maybe it wants to be over there. Maybe it's on a vacation. Leave it alone. <laughs> uh, next up is Ambitious Dragonborn. It's three and a green for a zero, zero Dragon Barbarian, so it fails the vanilla test, but it has an additional ability. So maybe not. It says Ambitious Dragonborn enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control and creature cards in your graveyard. Okay. So, Ambitious ambitious Dragonborn isn't on the battlefield yet when X is being determined, okay? So, what that means is, is it's not yet on the battlefield. If you have a creature card on the battlefield that cares about the number of creatures on the battlefield, like uh, like a star-star creature where star is the number of creatures on the battlefield, it's... It's not that creature doesn't see Ambitious Dragonborn on the battlefield so that its power is one higher so that Ambitious Dragonborn gets the number of counters. Clear? Clear. Yes. Yeah. Layers. <laughs> All right. Next, we have Archivist of Ogma for one and a white creature, Halfling Cleric. It's a 2 2 with flash. Whenever an opponent searches their library, you gain one life and draw a card. Ooh. So, yeah, that's cute. I like that. Archivist's ability won't go on the stack until after the ability that caused the search finishes resolving. Archivist's ability won't trigger if someone else searches an opponent's library. So like anyone casting bribery on an opponent won't cause this to trigger. Good to know. Also, if a search is restricted to the top four cards of the library or something like that, then that is still searching the library. Like even Mind Sensor would be an example of something that's restricting. All right. Easy enough. Okay. Uh, next up is Bane's Contingency is one blue-blue for an instance. It says counter-target spell. If that spell targets a commander you control, instead counter that spell, scry to, then draw a card. All right. So uh, tar- when it says if that spell targets a commander you control, that means a permanent that is a commander on the battlefield and is under your control. Okay, it doesn't have um, it doesn't have to be your commander. It has to be a commander that you control, and it can even be a background enchantment because those are those are commanders. However, now this is this is gets a little wacky. However, if you cast Bane's Contingency, so let's say Sam, Sam and I are playing. I've got a commander out. Let's just say my commander out is Bane, Lord of Darkness. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Sama is like, oh, I'm going to cast murder. I'm going to murder your Bane, Lord of Darkness. And, murder him to death. Yeah. And Bane's like, I have a contingency plan for this. All right. And then I I cast Bane's contingency. And then Sama 
cast another spell that causes me to sacrifice Bane, Lord of Darkness. Here's the here's the problem now. Bane's gone, so that murder is no longer a spell that is targeting a commander I control. So Bane will still counter the murder, but that spell is no longer targeting a commander uh, I control, so I will not get to scry to then draw a card. Hmm. All right. Next is the best, I think maybe the best card in the set. I, I like this one quite a bit. Yeah. This one's got some flavor. This is Barroom Brawl for one and a green sorcery. All right, here we go. Target creature you control fights target creature the opponent to your left controls. Then that player may copy the spell and may choose new targets for the copy. I love this. I love yeah. every single thing about this. So each copy of Barroom Brawl can make a copy. So as long as people want to keep going and there are legal targets, it can keep going. Um, if copying Barroom Brawl, the targets and such for the copy are declared and put on the stack when the first Barroom Brawl is resolving. This means it's possible to target a creature with the copy that's going to die from the first Barroom Brawl. If this happens, that will be an illegal target when the copy tries to resolve. So, yep. cuts cuts your cuts your brawl short. Yep. If both targets for ball barroom brawl are illegal the spell or copy won't resolve and the copy chain does not continue in a two-player game the other player is the player to your left they're also the player to the right the player to your front the play just yeah anyway there's only one the player copying barroom brawl can choose to not change the targets if this happens both targets will probably be illegal when the copy goes to resolve and get countered you gotta but- do a lot of work to make them make them legal at the time of resolution. Right. But, you know, magic happens. So, blood money. Five black black for a sorcery that says destroy all creatures. For each non-token creature destroyed this way, you create a tapped treasure token. Really, the the only thing of note here is there's a lot of things that say, like, destroy destroy all creatures, you know, create a tapped treasure token for each creature, you know, or create a tapped treasure token for each creature. Um, this is not that. It's saying for each non-token creature destroyed this way. So the creatures actually have to be destroyed. So if a creature isn't destroyed because it had indestructible or something along those lines, you're not going to get a treasure token for that creature. And that's no. it. Wow. All right. Next we have Call to the Void for four and a black sorcery. Each Oh, we got the word secretly in here. All right. Each player secretly chooses a creature they control and a creature they don't control. Then those cre- then those choices are revealed. Destroy each creature chosen this way. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's spicy. I, I love doing secret choosies. That's good stuff. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about how to secretly choose creatures. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't get cute. Just write it on a scrap of paper. Yep. You have to take these moments in time to get cute. No. This is when cuteness is at its best. No. So the, 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 <laughs> for the listeners, whisper into the ear of a of a passing for for the bird listeners in the show notes, I abbreviated this conversation of talking about how to secretly choose creatures as don't get ch- cute, just write it on a scrap of paper. And but Sama apparently no wants to get cute. So Sama, what are some cute other ways of secretly choosing these? That's creatures? what I'm, I I just said. Whisper it into the ear of a passing bird. You you the sky is the limit. Get cute. But how does the opponent confirm that? How does the opponent confirm what the bird heard? The bird knows. The bird is the word. The bird is the word. 
Anyway, while we're all busy getting cute, the choices are made in turn order but revealed all at once. And the destruction happens all at once also. A creature might get chosen multiple times, but it's only destroyed once. So a single regeneration shield or shield counter counter will work. Yeah. Yeah. Good enough. All right. So next up, the Carnelian Orb of Dragonkind, (laughs) which is such a pretentious sounding. Anyway, it is two and a red for an artifact. Tap, add red. If that mana is spent on a dragon creature spell, it gains haste until end of turn. All right. Great card. This counts um, if the mana from the Carnelian Orb of Dragon Orb Dragonies um, is used to pay an additional cost or an alternate cost for a dragon creature spell. That still counts. Still gets haste. Cool. Um, Nice. It does not count if you use this mana on an ability that just puts the dragon on the battlefield. All right. Aw. And then if the creature this mana is spent on later becomes a dragon, that creature won't suddenly gain haste. This is this is if that mana is spent on a creature spell at that point in time, it is spent, it is going to get haste. Yeah, that train has left the station. Hmm. All right. Cut a deal. Cutting a deal. Two and a white. Cutting a deal. It's a sorcery. Each opponent draws a card, then you draw a card for each opponent who drew a card this way. You draw a card. You draw no, a card. No, you draw a card. Nah, you draw a card. Yeah. The card draw is not optional. <laughs> no. Draw the card. Yep. However, commander players are tricky and may have replacement effects that replace the draw with something else. You don't draw a card for that player. Because yeah. they didn't draw. Yep. Oh, this knows it. Because wizards are killjoy. Wizards are not killjoys. They are. They killed my joy. <laughs> Stake through your joys, Art. If the opponent has a replacement effect that lets them draw additional cards, you still only draw one card for that opponent. Oh, that is kind of killjoy. I, I take it back. Wizards, right. that, that's killjoy. There you go. Thank you. All my right. joy has also been killed a little bit. It, it's it's a little, little killjoy. A little dead. Yeah. Uh, but you can bring it back with a druidic ritual for two and a green. It's a sorcery that says you may mill three cards. Then return up to one creature card and up to one land card from your graveyard to your hand. All right. So if you have fewer than three cards in your library, you can't actually choose to mill any cards this way. Because your choice is you may mill three cards. You may not. This is not a... Do as much as you can. This is you can't make a an illegal choice. You can't make a choice of a thing you can't do. And since you can't mill three cards, you can't choose to do it. All right. Also, the creatures land card that you return don't have to be from the three cards that you mill. They can be anywhere in your graveyard. And that that what is that in the art? Is that a frog? Yeah. Esser. I think so. I think it's some kind of toad. I don't want to think about it. Too some much. kind of toady guy. Like, it needs to be thought about a little bit, but not a lot. He looks like he's having a good time doing whatever he's doing. Yeah, oh, he's, he's, this, that's a happy whatever it is. <laughs> All right, now we've got Dinah Air, Invoker Adept. For one blue, red, white. Legendary creature, human wizard. It's Marika. 4 4. Huh? Marika. Oh. Yeah. I was like, that's not how you pronounce her name. <laughs> that's not even close. <laughs> Dinah Air. Dinah Air? Looks Dina like Rihanna. Okay. That's also not how you pronounce that. Dinah Air. 
Dinah Air. Dinah Air. Dinah Air. Sounds like a sounds like a like a convection oven. Yeah, kind of does. We'll say Dinah for now. So Dinah does in fact have some card around. Oh, we need to finish reading her first. So she has haste. You may activate abilities of other creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. Also, activated ability tap colon. When you next activate an ability this turn by spending four or more mana to activate it, copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. So the errata for Miss Dinah is you may activate abilities of other creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. Tap colon. When you next activate an ability that isn't a mana ability. There we go. Yes. This turn by spending four or more mana, etc., etc. So that isn't a mana ability. Cool. Yeah. Turns out copying mana abilities, eh, no, so... Don't do it. Don't. Eh, no bueno. Knock it off. <laughs> Dynair doesn't actually give haste, nor does it let you attack with creatures as though they had haste. Yeah. No, I do like haste, but oh well. That's okay. That's okay. Dinah's doing her best. Yeah. Next we have Ellen Harbree's busy busybody. Oh, and she looks... That it is it is a, a woman making like bread or something like that, and she she looks like she's telling you all the town gossip. That's me. That right there. That's me. Every time I come over and hang out with you, I'm like, we're gonna play magic, and I just sit there and tell you all the gossip. Yeah. <laughs> what? So what happens is is when you come over, it's like we're gonna play commander, and then we end up sitting on the couch drinking beers and watching whatever. What did we watch last time? Stranger Things last time, Stranger which things. I, I need to watch the rest up because it was freaking good. But yeah, we just both instantly turn into Ellen here. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me tell you. All right. The nosy neighbor. Yes. Ellen's a bit. Okay. Oh, I should probably read what she does. Uh, she is a, for three and a white, she's a two, four legendary creature, legendary busybody. Right. Human that should peasant. be a type. <laughs> uh, tap. Look at the top X cards of your library where X is the number of tokens you created this turn. Put one of those cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And you can choose a background because, you know, she got, everybody's got to come from somewhere. Um, Ellen. Ellen's ability uh, looks at all the tokens created this uh, created this turn prior to the ability resolving. The tokens do not have to still be on the battlefield. So they could have already been sacked and gotten rid of them. Um, also, if an effect creates a copy of a permanent spell, the resulting creature is a token... Okay, so I've got a permanent spell on the stack, and I somehow create a copy of it with, like, Lithoform Engine or something like that. The resulting creature, the copy, it's going to come in as a token, but it was never created. Okay, so this card looks cares about the number of tokens created this turn. That is an exception. Womp womp. You can get real philosophical with the definition of created. Yes, let's talk about that <laughs> a little bit. Let's talk about Font of Magic. Okay. <laughs> For three and a blue... It's an enchantment. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one generic, less to cast for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. So specific. Reminder, this counts both partners and backgrounds. This doesn't say, this does not say commander creature. You know, the first time I read the the phrase commander creature, I was like, why aren't they just saying legendary creature? And then I realized I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm with it. Never mind. Never mind. It took me a minute. Yeah. <gasps> what? I am so glad you get to read this. I want to hear you say the name of this next card. Gunch, the bestower. No, 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 no. 
Yeah, I was going to say, don't you dare skip that L. <laughs> yeah, so that Glunch. is... Uh, uh, Glunch is like the exact Glunch. sound that cats make before they barf on your carpet. I would like to tell you that this morning, that is the sound that I heard, and that is the most effective alarm clock sound in the entire world. <laughs> you just hear that sound. You hear the glunch and you know it's time to get up. <laughs> right. I I went I went from being in peaceful dreamland to fully alert in milliseconds. Like I think I was awake and out of the bed before I realized I had was even awake. Um all right. So glunch the bestower is is a flump, but in ma- in magic, it's a jellyfish. It's one and a green and a white for a zero five legendary creature jellyfish. Has flying. At the beginning of your end step, choose a player. They put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control. Choose a second player to draw a card. Then choose a third player to create two treasure tokens. So the choosing of all the players happens when the trigger resolves. So you're not going to know who's the first, who's the first player, who's the second player or anything like that until the ability resolves. The first chosen player gets to decide which creatures get the counters. And you can choose a player for the first choice, even if they don't have any creatures. So if your group hug deck, you know, you're like, ah, that's too much hugging. So you, you get, you get, you're the first creature. You're the first chosen player, even though you ain't got no creatures. Um, now, all three players chosen have to be different. Okay, so you can't be like, I'm the first, you're the second, I'm the third. You can't do that. But you can be one of the creature, one of the creatures. You can be one of the players chosen. All right. And if there are only two players left in the game, you can't choose a third player for the last option. So it is not possible to use this ability to create two treasure tokens in a, when the game is a two-player game. Blunch. Are you just going through here making your cards bigger? I'm blind, all right. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was like something subtle where you were just like minor bigger. No, see, the pro... Okay, I, due to my recording setup, I'm in this weird position where every time a card comes up that I have to read the literal image of the card, I want to like lean forward and squint because I'm blind. Mm-hmm. But every time I do that, my chair, my desk chair makes this horrible like s- scrunching sound. Does it make a glunching sound? It's almost a full glunch. Full, the full glunch. <laughs> And I decided rather than you having to edit that out every time I decide to read a card instead of go buy some eyeglasses. I would, if you made glunching sounds, I would probably uh, uh, leave that in. (laughs) What was the sound that we were laughing about in Stranger Things? Was it wet squelching? Wet squelching, (laughs) yes. The closed caption, wet squelching. My chair makes dry squelching. I don't, I don't... Trust I don't think me. you can dry squelch. I you would think, you would think. I squ- anyway. squelch kind of implies a certain level of humidity. Listen, I know, I know this, and yet I proclaim. Just one. Anytime you come over, you can sit in this chair, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's dry squelching." <laughs> <laughs> Our conversations are really, really good. I'm yeah, that's. Whew. All right. Moving on from dry squelching, um, Illithid Harvester for a blue creature horror for four. All right. So this is this is one of those fancy adventures. Mm-hmm. So the adventure portion is a a sorcery adventure. It's called Plant Tadpoles for X blue blue. Tap X target creatures. They don't untap during their controller's next untap steps. Ex- then exile the card. You can cast the 
creature bit later from exile. All right, so Mr. Harvester over here, four and a blue. That's Dr. Harvester. He didn't spend seven years in harvester school for you to call him mister. All right, so Dr. Harvester. Okay. Ceramorphosis. There we go. Ceramorphosis. When Illithid Harvester enters the battlefield, turn any number of target tapped non-token creatures face down. They're 2-2 horror creatures. Cool. So, Ceramorphosis is a made-up D&D word for the change that occurs when an Illithid tadpole grows up inside your brain and basically slowly turns you into an Illithid. Yeah. I, I've met some people that I suspect that of. Are, are slowly undergoing seromorphosis? Or morphosis? Maybe swiftly. Yeah? I, I'm suspicious. Anyway. All right. Once the permanents are faced down, no player can mix them up or try to hide, hide them, or hide which creatures are which. Yep. Players can look at face down permanents they control. Double-faced cards can't be turned face down. I like your note here. Who knew that werewolves were Illithid's natural enemy? Right. Not a yeah, not a not a nemesis pair up. I would have expected. No, not at all. There's some ways to turn face down creatures face up. Most common is morph and megamorph. Megamorph. But there are no ways in this set. So just wait for Commander Legends. <laughs> just wait for Commander Legends three. It's morphin' time. The mighty Morphin Power Rangers expanded universe set. Yeah, it's coming. It's Morbin time. <laughs> I've, have you gone to see the Morbius movie? I have not. I have neither heard. has anyone else, but it is Morbin time le- nevertheless. Morbin time? Is it, It's Morbin time. I've heard it is bad. That's why nobody has seen it, and yet everyone has decided on the internet to say all the time, it's Morbin time. Morbin time? It's, it's become a meme. Ignore me. Oh, okay. So, I clone a face-down creature. What happens? Yeah, what happens? I mean, I guess it's just the the two two thing. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's just two two. <laughs> what else could two, it possibly be? Two two horror creature. <laughs> it just it just clones the blank, the like standard back of a magic card that's just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so being face down changes the copyable characteristics, and realistically, I don't even think they needed to say they're two two horror creatures. It could have just said they're horror creatures. We know what they are. Yeah, because the, the, the fact that it's 2-2 is just a, a part of it being face down. But then again, some people are new to magic and try imagine trying to explain that if they left it out to new magic Oh, players. yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, you're just supposed to know they're 2-2 horror creatures. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Good to know. All right. Next up is the Jade Orb of Dragonkind. Uh, for two and a green... It is an artifact that says, tap, add green. When you spend mana to cast a dragon creature spell, it enters the battlefield. Or when you spend this mana to cast a dragon creature spell, it enters the battlefield with additional plus one, plus one counter on it and gains hexproof until your next turn. Okay, so the only real note about this is if you've got a card that like doubles the mana produced by, you know, whenever you get mana from a source, it produces an additional mana of the same kind instead. Or in addition, um... So if uh, more than one green is produced from the Jade Orb somehow, and both manas, or both manners, are spent on the same dragon, the delayed trigger, the when you spend this mana to cast a dragon, 
the delayed trigger will happen twice and you will get two additional counters instead of one and you will have double hex proof or as I call it, dodeca proof. How much manor did you spend on the trip? I'm not done being amused by saying manor instead of mana because that's exactly how the people from East Tennessee talk where I grew up. That's how Southern Virginia says it too. You they're, got them the same place. You got them two manors over there that you're using to spend on them dragons. <laughs> manners? Yeah. Manor bananas. Got them manners. All right. Jahira, friend of the forest for two and a green. Legendary creature, human elf druid. They're a two, three. Tokens you control have tap, add green, and choose a background. So, yeah, that's what Jahira's up to. So that that ability does, or I guess that effect doesn't just happen to creature tokens. Any any tokens you got get tap colon add green, and be sure to remember that it doesn't give anything haste. So timing restrictions, all of that. All right. Next up is javelin of lightning. Very very frightening. Deep. All right. For one in a red, <laughs> it is an artifact equipment with flash. When Javelin of Lightning enters the battlefield, attached to target creature you control. Okay. As long as it's your turn, equipped creature has plus two, plus oh, and has first strike. Equip a four. Um, yeah, so attaching to target creature is not the same as equipping. So anything that cares about equipping won't trigger. Ja- also, Javelin, the Javelin does not enter the battlefield attached. It enters the battlefield, and then there's a trigger to attach to something. Okay. So that's all that is. Neat, neat, neat. Now we've got Kinku Artificer for two and a blue. Creature Bird Artificer. It's a one, one. Homunculus Servant. When Kinku Artificer enters the battlefield, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature artifact. That artifact becomes a zero, zero homunculus artifact creature with flying. So that's cool. It takes your... Your scrap metal and turns it into a little flying junk. It's a little flying kind of a junk. Creature. Yeah. So, of note, it doesn't remove any abilities from the artifact, so it still does its artifact things. Um, because it's because it's becoming an artifact creature, it keeps its types. So, if it was an artifact land, it's now an artifact creature land. Yeah. So this this is a weird weird thing in the rules. Um, most of the effects that says like this. This artifact, this permanent becomes an enchantment. Then, if it's a land, it stops being a land and starts being an enchantment. If it says it becomes a creature, then it stops being whatever it is and is a creature. Okay, unless it says in addition to its other types. But for some reason in the rules, and I think this harkens to way, way back in the beginning times, if something becomes an artifact creature, uh, there is an implicit. And retains all, in addition to its other types, in the rules that is unique to becoming an artifact creature. Not becoming an artifact, not becoming a creature, but becoming an artifact creature. They're like, why stop there, you know? Let's just keep it rolling. Yeah. (laughs) Good to know, though. I I don't think I remember that. Cool. So, if the artifact was an equipment, it becomes unattached. If it's an equipment with reconfigure, it can reattach. Yep. If the artifact is a vehicle, its power toughness are set to zero. Recruing it won't restore that power toughness. Aw. Man. Womp womp. All right. Next up is Lazel or Lazel's Acrobatics for, oh, this is an eye chart. So many eye charts in this set. 
Uh, it's an instant that says exile all non-token creatures you control, then roll a d20. And this is one of the ones where where I was talking about where you rolling the result is uh, rolling the d20s all wrapped in with the results. So you don't necessarily have the uh, the ability to respond or your opponent doesn't have the ability to respond after they know what result you got. So you're going to exile all non-token creatures you control, then roll a d20. On a result of a 1 through 9, you are going to return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's controller at the beginning of the next end step. Okay, cool. Now that's at the beginning of the next end step, not the beginning of the ne- of your next end step. This is an instance, so you can do this on anybody's turn. Anyone's. On a 10 through 20, you're going to return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control right now, then exile them again. Um, and return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So basically, if you get a 10 through 20, you're going to get to do two exiles and two return to the battlefields. And I guess that's why it's acrobatics, because you're flipping flipping around like a crazy person. But, so the resolution of this spell uh, has the potential for you to exile all of your non-token creatures twice, and then have them enter the battlefield twice. Okay, so the way it's going to work is, if you get a 10 through 20, you're going to exile... Uh, you're going to exile, then return everything to the battlefield, then exile again. Now all those enter the battlefield triggers are going to go on the stack, and you're going to resolve them. Note, at this time, your creatures are exiled, so if there's any triggered abilities that, like, add counters to creatures you control, well, you ain't got no non-token creatures. I hope you got some token creatures left. Uh, then at the beginning of the next end step, not your next end step, but the next end step, uh, all the creatures are going to come into play, and you're going to get all the enter the battlefields again. There is no world in which you can set this up so that you can have all of your creatures on the battlefield and get all of the enter the battlefield triggers go on the stack twice. Okay, you can't do it. Can't be done. There's no way that you can like flip flop, get it in. You got all your creatures, and then you have all the ETBs twice queued up, ready to go. Can't do it. All right, next we have Master Chef for two and a green. Legendary enchantment background. So here's another one of those backgrounds that are new. Commander creatures you own have... This creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. And... Other creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on them. All right, so noteworthy. If your commander enters the battlefield at the same time as other creatures, your commander will get the plus one, plus plus one counter but the other creatures will not. Yeah. That's because the first granted ability is a replacement effect that pertains to the creature entering the battlefield, and it's, it's applying to itself. Yeah. In order to apply to other creatures, it has to already be on the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. So this just so. has to do with replacement effects, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's the, the effects when it's affecting the object that's entering the battlefield that can apply. All right. Next. Oh, this one's a fun one. Miracle. Miracle. Lord of Bones. It's a miracle. <laughs> I believe in miracles. Yeah, miracle. All right. So this one is for four white, black, green. It is a 7-5 legendary creature god that says, as long as your life total is less than or equal to half your starting life total, Merkel, Merka, uh, Lord of Bones has indestructible. And whenever a non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's an enchantment and loses all other card types. Okay, so if Merkel, uh, if if old 
Lord of Bones here, is dealt lethal damage at the same time you are being dropped to below or equal to half your life total, when we go to check state-based actions, Merkel will indeed be indestructible. And that lethal damage will continue to remain continue to be marked on Merkel, but it won't kill him. All right. Now, the last ability, whenever a non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it if you do create a token that's a copy of that card. Okay. The last ability is going to create a copy. It, it triggers when the non-token creature you control dies, but when it does an exile and it creates the copy, it's going to copy the card as it last existed in the graveyard not ex- as it existed on the battlefield. So, you know, there's lots of ways to make things that aren't creatures into creatures. Um, like, it gets... So it gets a little weird if you have a vehicle that dies while animated. Okay? It's a creature. It's a non-token creature that dies. And when you're exiling it, it's an artifact. And the token that gets created is a copy of the vehicle, except it's an enchantment, but not a vehicle. But you can still crew it. I have become an artifact. Uh, I have become an artifact creature. Um, an equipment. If uh, if you have a um, uh, uh, an equipment creature, you know one of those reconfigure creatures. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna go come in. It's gonna be an enchantment. It's not gonna have the uh, the equipment subtype. It's not gonna be able to equip a creature. So equip reconfigure. Um, it'll have those abilities, but it can't attach. If you have somehow manifested an aura. Okay, so it's going to be a face-down creature, and it's going to die, and it's an it's an aura. We're going to get a token copy of that, and yeah, you get that. That's going to be able. You're going to be able to put that on Merkel or some other creature. Your your aura enchantment, um, and if you have like a manifested sorcery or instant, it's going to go to the graveyard and exile it. And it says go to create a token that's a copy of the card, put it on the battlefield, but or, or instants and sorceries can't enter the battlefield right right and this is having you create it create the copy on the battlefield hmm. uh but it can't be on the battlefield so in that particular case it's not like created somewhere and doesn't end and then can't enter the battlefield it just stone doesn't get created token you doesn't would even get you could, but you can't say so you don't yep all right nine fingers keen all right. For one black, green, blue, legendary creature, human rogue, 4-4 four, four, with menace and ward, pay nine life. Holy smokes. Whenever Nine Fingers Keen deals combat damage to a player, look at the top nine cards of your library. You may put a gate card from among them onto the battlefield. Then, if you control nine or more gates, put the rest into your hand. Otherwise, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So our, our notes here say that we don't we don't have any rules comments. Um, just an observation that if this is your commander, there are only eleven gates in Keen's color identity. Yeah. So that's notable. Yeah. That's noble. Notable. Oh. Noteworthy. No, no, not not a segue into noble heritage. Dun dun dun. Next card. Oh. Next up is noble <laughs> heritage. For one in a white, this is a legendary enchantment background. Commander creatures you own have, quote, when this creature enters the battlefield and at the beginning of your upkeep, each player may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control. For each opponent who does, you gain protection from that player until end of turn, until your next turn. All right. 
So, uh, protection from a player. Uh, you have, when you have protection from a player, you have protection from each and every object controlled by that player. Can't be damaged by them. You can't be uh, enchanted or equipped uh, by, so, like, no curses. Um, uh, you can't be uh, targeted. So, you know, you, you can't be hurt. Um, they can still attack you, but the creatures, their damage is going to be prevented. However, permanents you control don't have protection, so they can still be killed. Womp, womp. Packed weapon for three and a black. Artifact equipment, as long as packed weapon is attached to a creature, you don't lose the game for having zero life or less. Zero or less life. Mm -hmm. Whenever equipped creature attacks, draw a card and reveal it. The creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn and you lose X life where X is that creature's mana value. Equip, discard a card. So you can still lose the game in other ways, such as decking, poison, um, an I win card from the opponent. So if an opponent gains control of the creature packed weapon is attached to, you still have your lit shield up. But if they attack with the creature, you will draw the card and lose the life. Yeah. So they, they attack with the creature, it gets the you draw the card, it gets the power boost, and then you lose the life. Boo. Right? Okay. Oh, cool. I get to say this. I get to say this next one. This next card is Ragadraga. Ragadraga. Gorgut's boss. Ragadraga. <laughs> it is a two red and a green for a 4-4 four, four legendary creature human boar. I guess he's a were-boar in Baldur's Gate. Ew. Yeah. Were-boar, there-boar. Right there. Uh, each creature you control with a mana ability gets plus two, plus two. Whenever a creature you control with a mana ability attacks, untap it. And whenever you cast a spell, if at least seven mana was spent to cast it, untap target creature gets plus seven, plus seven, and gains trample until end of turn. All right, so Ragadraga, there's a lot of cool things that you can do with this from a... Like, it opens up a lot of angles from a, a deck construction standpoint. Uh, a lot of strategy lines that you can go through. We're not here to talk about any of those. Instead, we're just going to talk about the one little nitpicky thing about the rules that I find kind of interesting, and we're going to talk about what a mana ability is. There are actually two types of mana abilities. There's there's activated mana abilities and triggered mana abilities. And Ragadraga don't care which one is on your creature. So activated mana abilities is an activated ability. You know, it's got the little colon that could produce mana as it resolves, doesn't require a target, and isn't a loyalty ability, okay? There are some triggered mana abilities. Now, triggered mana abilities are abilities, basically, that could produce mana that it resolves and triggers on the resolution of an activated mana ability or on mana being added to your mana pool and doesn't require a target. So things like, um, you know, when this land is tapped for mana, add a green mana to your mana pool. Okay, that's an example of a uh, triggered mana ability. So it is possible there are artifacts and stuff like that that have triggered mana abilities. If those artifacts get animated, they are creatures with a mana ability, although not like what you're used to seeing, which is like Lana War Elf type stuff. Next up, we have Shameless Charlatan for one and a blue legendary enchantment background. Commander creatures you own have two and a blue colon, 
Activated ability, this creature becomes a copy of another target creature. Cool. So this copy effect does not have a duration. And because your commander is still your commander, even if it's a copy of something else, it will still have this ability. Yeah, your commander creature, yes. Yeah. Yep. However, if you somehow turn Shameless Charlatan into a creature and use this ability, it will no longer have the ability that lets it become copies of other things. Yeah. Oh, no. Yep. So your commander creatures will be able to be copies and still have this ability. However, if this commander becomes a creature and gets used, it will no longer have this ability because its ability will be gone. All right. Next up is Split the Spoils. All right. I'm going to tell you from a D&D standpoint, one of the absolute things I hate is when a party is not on board with how to divide the treasure. I mean, what do you do to fit? What do you do to fix that? Well, I, you kind of got to talk to people, but typically, typically what happens is there's like players with the, like rush to search the body. And then one of them will find something good. And they'll like, I pocket it or I hide it or something like that. And it just, it just sucks. Cause you see it happening, like opponent, other players see it happening, and you got to pretend that it didn't happen. But you know that it happened, and it's basically s- stealing from the party as a whole. And just, if all the players at the table are kind of cool with that kind of thing, then okay, sure, fine, whatever. But if there's a a, dis- a mismatch, then it just it just sucks. And what it does is it creates this race to be the first person to loot the body. Like, it's the ultimate finder's keeper. So you'll end up having combats in something where the fight's still going and then people start looting bodies so that they can get the the good goods before other people might have a chance at getting the good goods. So anyway. The good goods. Yeah, I talk about that because there's really not going to be a whole lot to talk about Split the Spoils. Uh, it's two and a green uh, for a sorcery. Uh, exile up to five target permanent cards from your graveyard. Separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand and the other pile into your graveyard. Um, so you choose the opponent while the spell is resolving. You also make, the, but you target the permanent. So I'm going to target these, these five permanent cards. And then now that everybody knows what I'm tar- targeting, when it goes to resolve, I'm going to choose the opponent. Um, you can create a pile of zero. So one pile of zero, one pile of five, and the opponent can choose to put that pile of zero in your hand for you. In which case those five permanents will go right back in the graveyard. Next up, we have Vexing Puzzle Box. <laughs> I like this thing. Um, three generic artifact. I feel like if you play this, you ought to say something like, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. What? Anyway. Hellraiser. Oh. Anyway. I artifact. was thinking Hellraiser, but it's been a long time, so I didn't recognize the quote. We have such such sights to show you. All right. Whenever you roll one or more dice, put a number of charge counters on Vexing Puzzle Box equal to the result. All right, now we got some activated abilities here. First one, add one mana of any color, roll a d20. Next, tap and remove 100 charge counters from Vexing Puzzle Box, colon. Search your library for an artifact card, put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle. All right, so if an effect tells you to roll one or more dice and add a number to that roll, the result is the total after all the math. Well, yeah, that's how math works. That is how math works. That's just how math works. If you are told to roll more than one die and ignore one or more of the rolled dice, dices, you don't count those. Dices. 
Deeses. Deeses. Planer die. Yes, you rolled a die. Didn't give a result. We talked about that earlier. And yes, that middle bit is a mana ability. And doesn't target. Not a Planeswalker ability would produce mana if it resolves. What do you know? What do you you know? Boom, bop, bam. So in the middle of casting a spell, you put that spell on the stack, go to activate the mana abilities, and you're like, oh, I got to roll a d20 in the middle of casting it. And I don't actually put the counters on my puzzle box until after the, you know, uh, the triggers can go on the stack after the spell's been cast, but eh, just in the middle. Just whenever. And you just feel like rolling a d20. Okay, sure, go for it. <laughs> All right. Next up is Windshaper Planetar. For four and a white, it is a angel, 4-4 four, four flying with flash. And when Windshaper Planetar enters the battlefield... During the declare attacker step, for each attacking creature, you may reselect which player or planeswalker that creature is attacking. Oof. So you remember how um, when we did the combat episode, we were like, oh, there's one card. It's got it's got like a whole bunch of rules for this one card about reselecting creatures, but it's just one card, so we're not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so now there's two cards and two that. So I guess we got to so I guess we need to talk about it. All right. So the first thing is, Fine. despite what the trigger implies, you may cast this card at any time. It's just if you're not during the declare attacker step, you won't get a trigger. So you are going to pay. You can pay five five for a four four flyer with flash just for funsies. Or you can you can play it during declare attacker step for value. Reselecting which player or planeswalker a creature is attacking lets you ignore all those requirements, restrictions, and costs associated with attacking. Okay? So you don't got to pay attention to those things anymore. You only pay attention to them when you're determining the legality of the, the attacks or blocks when you're tapping the creatures and turning them sideways initially. Reselecting also doesn't cause, quote, whenever this creature attacks, triggers to re-trigger. Doesn't trip them triggers. Again. If you reselect, okay, I'm gonna. If you reselect which player or planeswalker an attacking creature is attacking, that creature is still considered to have attacked the player or planeswalker that it originally was doing, but it's now attacking a new player or planeswalker. Anything that cares about that, it's yep, it's still, it's still attacking the, uh, it's still attacked that player, but it's now attacking something different. And any ability that targets something controlled by the defending player of an attacking creature, and the defending player for that creature changes, gets swapped out because you're swapping all these creatures around, the ability won't resolve because its target has become illegal. You you targeted a player and that play as when it was the defending player and they're no longer the defending player, that target's illegal now. Womp womp. Alright, so I've I've got another errata card. So here we go with Zevlor. Eltural Exile. For one blue, black, red. Legendary creature, Tiefling Warrior. It's a 4-2 with haste. It's got this activated ability for two and a tap. Colon. When you next cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a single opponent or a single permanent an opponent controls, this turn, for each other opponent, choose that player or a permanent they control, copy that spell, and the copy... Targets the chosen player or permanent. Holy smokes. Okay. Errata. So the the important part here is when you next cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only a single opponent or a single permanent. 
only a single event, because, yeah, people trying to get pedantic out here. So, instant sorceries with two or more targets won't trip your trigger. The copies created are not cast. They are put on the stack as part of the resolving ability on top of this ability. So the delayed trigger, the delayed trigger ability can even copy the spell that caused it to trigger, even if that spell has been countered. What? <laughs> Holy smokes. Okay. If the instant or sorcery could have multiple targets, but only one target was chosen as its cast, that will trip Zevlor. <laughs> That'll trip his trigger. No, just him. Yeah. Him personally. Feeling pretty, pretty pretty trippy. All right. What What do you mean LKI for the... What's an LKI? Last known information. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking of card names. I'm like, I don't know many LKI cards. Read this Astral Dragon. <laughs> okay. So that's all the cards from the main set. Uh, we're just going to talk about one card because it's, it's gone for like an hour and a half. We're going to talk about just one little card from the Commander Precons that's kind of nifty. And it is Astral Dragon. It is six blue blue for a four four dragon that has flying. And it has this ability called Project Image. When Astral Dragon enters the battlefield, create two tokens that are copies of target non-creature permanent. Except they're three three dragons in addition to their other types. They have flying. So... There's there's an interesting little little thing here. So, you know, except for the power and toughness, the types, the flying abilities, the tokens are gonna the tokens are gonna be exactly what was printed on the original permanent and nothing else. You know, as modified by other copy effects. It doesn't copy whether the uh the permanent is flipped, tapped, anything like that, has any counters on it or is equipments, whatever. Um but now here's a neat thing. Because this says it becomes a creature in addition to their other types, if you target an aura, okay, an enchant creature, like an uh, uh, enchantment aura, the game is going to try and create creature auras. And when creature auras come into play, they, they attach to things. And creatures can't attach to things, but auras have to attach to things. So you you get like a divide by error, uh, divide by zero error seg fault, and instead the game is like ah uh, I'm not gonna make tokens. Blue screen of death. Blue screen of death. Yes, for the astral dragon. Um, yeah. Also, uh, since those tokens that do get created, if you pick something other than an aura, uh, they can't attack or use anything with the tap symbol uh, until your next turn if they don't have haste. Womp womp. So that's that on that. That is that on that. Don't choose auras. Yep. So don't do it. What do you think? What do you think about this set? I. It's really like flavor wise, it's super interesting. Um, like I said, I, I am not yet much of a commander person, and commander draft seems super wacky clown shoes to me, but not in a bad way. I'm I'm kind of interested to see to try this out because I. I didn't get to try it out last time Commander Legends came around. So well, that was during the pandemic. No one really got to see. Like that's that's well. What, I assume some people took it home and, and played with their like little insular pod of friends or whatever. Or, I or played in have... stores in red states. Right. I right. <laughs> I, however, have no friends, <laughs> and therefore have not played Commander Legends. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm real curious how uh, I think Star City's got a command fest this weekend. I'm real curious. I think yeah. I'm real curious uh, how that goes. Uh, one of the, one of the judges there sent me a picture of like the huge line outside 
the mm. uh for registration so that's that's got me thinking you know like real positive stuff like these these command fests are going to be you know big events fun uh most of them if not all of them require pre-reg so don't just show up and hope to get Thank in goodness yeah pre-reg is, is the way to go it is it really it's is just the way to go with your life yeah the pre-reg an adult pre-register for things yep always 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 always, always. yeah so i'm i'm feeling good about this set is there anything you think you want to kind of add to any of your commander decks or want to try for a new commander deck oh uh you personally yeah so the white okay so we're no longer talking about the rules and stuff but the white card draw is getting pretty decent and that's that's mostly in the um the pre-cons but yeah there was um can't wait to put uh, <laughs> Harbree's busybody, legendary busybody, in a deck. <laughs> no, but the um, there are, I'm ready to go on a bone adventure. <laughs> yeah, the the so uh, I have a Scion of Ur Dragon deck. So the big dragons that are like when this attacks, roll a d20 and then do a bunch of crazy stuff. I'm really looking forward to paying my two on my Scion of Ur Dragon. Searching up one of those dragons, making it a copy, and just swinging and getting, like, insane value off of that. That is super cool. It is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's 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 other stuff, but I, man, I've got so many commander deck ideas rattling around in my head. I can't make them all. Just a head full of nuts and bolts. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's a reason to start decks. Patreon. You know, it's like, fun to judge cast so Brian can build more commander decks that he still only plays, like, <laughs> once a month. It's like, oh, does this help pay for the podcast and your all's bills? Absolutely not. It's going straight to Brian's commander it decks. feeds my addiction. Yeah. Listen, folks, if you ever feel compelled to give JudgeCast money for anything, I, I fully consent to that money just going straight to Brian's commander decks. That's fine. <laughs> You, that has my blessing. No, it's got to... Because I will come over and play with them and, and use them It too. first has to go to GoDaddy. That sounds perfect. They are, they are the true master of Judge Cast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, friends, that's our episode. Join us next time when we talk about topics. Some kind of a topic. Until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at JudgeCast. Till next time, I'm Samantha Har and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prilliman, and I keep my tokens of creature auras off the battlefield. <laughs>